All right, guys, we are going to continue working our way through the Gospel of Matthew in this series that we're calling Your Kingdom Come. And so we've been praying that God's kingdom would come, but I don't know about you, this concept of the kingdom has always been a little bit elusive. It's maybe not something we talk a lot about in the church. And what we find from Jesus is that that is actually a little bit intentional. Because what he's seeking to do in explaining something and alluding to something that we're not going to fully understand is he's seeking to draw us in to his kingdom. He wants us to listen a little bit more closely and understand that he's trying to draw us into something beautiful and amazing that he wants us to be a part of. And what we're going to see in the text this morning is that the kingdom that he's talking about is found where we would least expect it. So he wants us to be attuned to his kingdom and and be looking for it and to have this expectation that we're going to find it in places that we wouldn't normally expect it. So I don't know about you guys, but every once in a while I'll be flipping through the channels And I'll flip to PBS, and the show Antiques Roadshow will be on. And there's something about it that I'm like just strangely drawn to. And every once in a while, you'll be watching it, and right, there'll be this guy, and he's got this painting, and it doesn't look that nice, and he found it at Goodwill, and on a whim, he decided because the Antiques Roadshow was in his town that he's gonna bring it and he's gonna get it appraised. And then you find out that it's like a Monet original, and it's worth $31 million. And all of a sudden, this guy is like elated. He can't believe that he came, and he can't believe that he's getting all his money. And you wish that you would have been at that Goodwill, and, and you think, man, maybe I should go hunting at the Goodwills around me, and maybe I'll find a painting, and maybe I'll go on the Antiques Roadshow, and maybe I'll make $31 million. Maybe you won't right? But the, the point is, is that what that draws us into, what that show draws us into, is that we could find something of incredible value where you'd least expect it. And what Jesus is going to draw us into is where we can find the kingdom where we normally would not expect to find it, okay? So the first place that he says we'll find the kingdom or the first place we should look is he says that the kingdom starts with seeds. Kingdom starts with seeds. So in Matthew chapter 13, we're starting with verse 3, and I'm going to read to verse 9. Here's what Jesus said. He said, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears... Let him hear. So immediately we're like, okay, you're talking about seeds, you're talking about soil. 
Why are you talking in parables? What are you getting at? And thankfully, just a few verses after this, Jesus explains what he's talking about. And Jesus plainly tells us that the seed that he's talking about is the word of God. And he says, expect to find the kingdom in the word of God. So he's picturing the sower here, the one who scatters the seed, as the one who speaks the word of God. So we're talking about the prophets of the Old Testament. We're talking about Jesus. And then after Jesus, we're talking about the apostles who speak and write the word of God. And down to our day, we're talking about those who faithfully preach and teach the word of God, which is why we as a church don't come up with catchy titles for series and teach topically because it would be easy for us to skip around and kind of pick and choose our favorite texts. But what we choose to do is teach straight through the Bible because we don't believe that the power is in the teacher. We believe that the power is in the word. And so he says, here's where you can expect to find the kingdom of God in the seeds in the words of Scripture. And he asks us, as we think about this, to examine ourselves and to ask ourselves the question, what is my response to the words of God? Is my heart like a path where the seed is thrown and it's quickly snatched up and devoured Because there's no root in me to be able to take on that seed. Or is my heart like rocky soil where the seed is thrown and it just bounces right off and the birds come and devour that seed off of the rocks? Or is my heart, as it should be, like good soil that is receptive to the word of God, and when it receives the word of God, it stays within my heart, and it actually has the opportunity to grow. How would that happen? How would the word of God stay in our heart and have the opportunity to grow? And I think the way that that would happen in our lives is that we would hold on to the word of God even when it becomes very uncomfortable. So you might not know much about the process of the way that a seed grows within the soil. But I think all of us know a little bit, and we know that the seed must stay in the soil for a long time, that must be cultivated, watered, and taken care of, that it needs sunlight. And we also know that the seed, in order for it to grow needs to die. And so the question for all of us is, do we allow the word of God to take root in our lives and to cause growth? Or are we picking and choosing? And I think this is what Jesus is really getting at here. He's describing himself as the sower of the seed. And he's asking the question, Do you trust me enough 
to let my words begin to take root in your life. And this is such an apt word for us today because what I think many people are in our society, even those that we would call Christians, is we're pickers and choosers within the word of God. So we think that we can say, oh, Jesus, I like this seed, but not this one. I appreciate this word, but this word is a little bit offensive to me. And so I'm going to hold on to this one, but I'm not going to hold on to that one. I'm going to reject that one. And what Jesus is saying here is, no, you don't get to pick and choose. Because the principle is that the sower is the one who chooses what's true and what's false. You're not the one who gets to choose what's true and what's false. Jesus does. And so the question is, am I receptive to the word of God or am I picking and choosing what I think is true and what I think is false, the things that I'm going to apply to my lives the things that I'm not going to apply to my life? Or am I receiving the word of God for what it is, the word of God? Here's why this is important. It's because if you get in the habit of receiving some things that Jesus has said and not receiving others, what you'll end up doing is rejecting all of it. Because what it proves is that you've never trusted in Jesus but you're still trusting in yourself. So Jesus is like a spiritual guide, but he's not the Lord of your life. And I've seen this play out many times in the life of the church since I've been a pastor. And one example that came to my mind, it's really sad, there was a couple in my wife Melissa and I's connection group a while back. And the first question that they had regarding the word of God was the Bible clearly says, Um, the Apostle Paul wrote, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. And so I'm not going to take a deep dive into that and, and try to explain that right now. But needless to say, that is culturally offensive. Okay, And so this husband and wife said, "Ah, I don't know about that. They didn't make a biblical argument like we're going to interpret that text a little bit differently, and we've studied it, and we've, we've dove into it, but they just said, nah, we don't like that part of the Bible. And so one of the other pastors of our church sat down with this couple, and they were considering going to a different church, and he said, well, if you have that attitude toward that text of the Bible, you just say, I don't like that. I'm not going to receive that as the word of God. He said, in a short time, you'll be saying that the biblical sexual ethic can be thrown out as well because that's the same argument that people make about the biblical sexual ethic, specifically in our day and age regarding homosexuality. And then if you reject that, what you're actually going to say is, why do I accept any of the word of God as the word of God? I'm not going to base any of my life on the authority of the word. And this guy was like, no, 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 I would never do that. That's not where I'm at. I'm just questioning this one thing in the word of God. And a year later, this same person was drafting the position paper for another church in town, advocating for homosexuals 
to be ordained as pastors in their ministry. What happened? The sower went out to sow, and what was his heart like? Rocky ground. He was saying, I receive the word of God. But if you say, I receive the word of God, except where the word of God offends me, you are not receiving the word of God. And here's the danger of that position. You will fall away. Because Jesus is not your Lord. You can say that Jesus is your Lord, but if you say, I'm not going to receive it because it offends me, at any point that you come to in the Bible, what you're choosing at that moment, it, it might seem like it's just a seed. It's just this little piece of truth. It doesn't really matter that much. But what you're saying at that moment is, I trust my feelings my word over Jesus' word. Here's what I'm not saying right now, that that's a comfortable process. It's very uncomfortable. And if you read the word of God, you will be offended by the word of God. But the question is, when you are offended, will you hold on and continue to trust in Jesus? And here's the test. Do you say, when you disagree with the Bible, God is right and I am wrong, my feelings are not an indication of the truth, or do you say, I don't believe that because I'm offended by it? And Jesus is calling us, even in the midst of our culture, who will be very offended by many of our positions, to hold on to the word of God. The kingdom of God is found in the seeds. Look at the little things. Does everything that you believe about Christianity align with the word of God or is it a mixture of your opinions and what God's word actually says? So the kingdom starts with seeds. It's the first thing. The second thing we learn about the kingdom is that it grows among weeds. Starts with seeds, grows among weeds. Verse 24 of chapter 13. I'm going to read to verse 30. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain... Then the weeds appeared also, and the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the weed, wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Okay, so one common objection to Christianity in our day that all of us have heard is that I can't become a Christian because the church is full of hypocrites. 
because the church is full of hypocrites and a lot of the time the church doesn't represent what Jesus is truly like, I could never be part of the church. Here's what Jesus promised in this parable. That the church would always be filled with hypocrites. And what I mean by that is not Christians who struggle with sin. But I want you to add a category of person to your understanding of the church. Normally we think that within the church there are Christians and then there are people who are raising their hand and saying, I'm a non-Christian and I'm just exploring what this church is all about. But Jesus said... What you want to add to your category of people within the church are people who claim to be Christians but are not Christians at all. Hypocrites. People who say that they believe in Jesus and that they are following after him but it's not true of their actual lifestyle. It's not true of their actual beliefs. And what Jesus is saying is, here's going to be the temptation going forward in the church, is to try to create a pure stream of Christianity. To try to create a church where everyone in the church is a genuine Christian. So let's have a really rigid membership process. Let's do a really good job with accountability. Make sure we're following through with absolutely everybody. Let's make sure we're on the phone a lot with people, calling them up, checking in with them. Let's make sure everyone's dialing in all their spiritual disciplines. And basically the church staff becomes like the police and they've got whistles and they're just blowing the whistle all the time and saying, this is indicating that you're not a real Christian. This is indicating that you're not a real Christian. And we're always trying to get to a pure stream. And there's all different sort of measurements of that. Maybe it's like living a spirit-filled life and it's speaking in tongues. Or maybe it's knowing your Bible inside and out, having every T crossed theologically and every I dotted. But whatever the measurement is, the goal becomes a pure church where everyone in the church is a Christian. And here's what Jesus says. Good luck. It's never going to happen. Because he says the wheat and the weeds are going to grow up together. So a very good answer to the question, why is the church so filled with hypocrites? And, and people saying that's a reason they're not going to attend the church is, did you know that the church is filled with people who say they're Christians who aren't? Absolutely filled with people who say that they're Christians and aren't. Which is encouraging to us who are true believers because what you're going to see over time in the church is you're going to see people who are with you for a little while and appear to be following after Jesus, appear to be fired up and passionate about him, are running right alongside of you. And then after a while, those people are walking away from the faith and it can be devastating. And Jesus is saying, get this framework in your mind so that when that time comes, you will not despair, but you will see that they did what I said they would do. The wheat and the weeds 
grow up together. And so what Jesus says is, we don't need to try to pull up the weeds. We don't need to try to pull up the weeds, which means we can move forward within the church and even when we see discrepancies in people's lives and things that don't align with Scripture in other people's lives, we can encourage, we can exhort, we can do what we can do, but we don't need to be obsessed with purifying the church all the time. This reminded me of when my, Melissa, my wife, and I do landscaping work. So, I mean, we got some landscaping in our yard. We kind of care about it, but we don't really care about it that much. And so we never have a lot of understanding of what we're dealing with in our yard. And so we've had this conversation many times before where we're going through the yard and we're finally getting around to pulling out some weeds. And we get to something and we don't know whether it's a weed or it's some kind of flower. And what we do when we're in that situation is we just say, yeah, let's just not pull it. Because maybe it's going to be a beautiful flower. And so we leave it alone. We don't pull it. And, and what Jesus is saying is when you come across somebody and there's some discrepancy in their life, he's saying, believe that they're a genuine Christian. Just believe the best. And here's what's going to happen. Here's why we can do that. It's based on the sovereignty of Jesus because Jesus is going to take care of it in the end. Jesus is going to judge the church. Jesus knows who the real Christians are in the church. You don't. I don't. And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to pull together the wheat. He's going to bring them into his kingdom forever in heaven, bundle them up. We're going to go. It's going to be awesome. We're going to worship around the throne of Jesus forever. And he's going to pull out the weeds and he's going to take, take them. He's going to make a huge bonfire. It's called hell. And he's going to toss the weeds into the bonfire. It's super hardcore. The Bible doesn't mess around. But we don't have the wisdom to be able to do that prematurely. So the wheat and the weeds are going to grow up together. There's going to be hypocrites in the church. Jesus is going to take care of it in the end. And so we need to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. We look in the mirror, we say, is my life characterized by the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Do I have a genuine relationship with Jesus? Do I know him? Am I following him? Do I love him? And we need to stick to an imperfect church that's full of hypocrites because that's the only type of church that there is. And we need to park our butts there and we need to spend 20 or 30 years and we need to grow in our faith. And we need to be encouraged that we as the wheat can grow among the weeds. We can grow in a church like that. We can trust Jesus. Even in Salt City Church, you can grow. 
right? So first thing, the kingdom starts with seeds. The kingdom grows among weeds. The last thing is that the kingdom is hidden in your field. Chapter 13, verse 44 says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Okay, so question. How would somebody in ancient times find a treasure that's hidden in a field? Well, there, one way would be that you're kind of shady and you just go into some random person's field and start digging. But the more likely scenario what would be that you would be like a hired hand of some kind. You'd be out, you'd be digging in the field, and all of a sudden, you'd be working hard in the course of your normal life. Not their intent on finding treasure in a field, but their intent on working hard and making a day's wages. And what would happen is you'd be out digging in that field and your shovel would strike gold. And what Jesus is indicating by showing us this person digging in a field and striking gold is that his kingdom is found in the ordinary stuff of life. You don't have to be in a beautiful church or in a religious institution or at a Salt City connection group to find the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is just below the surface of the ordinary things and is of immense value. And all we have to do is open our eyes and start to dig a little bit to find the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And it's easy for us, even as Christians, who know that God is at work in this terrible place we call earth. We know he's at work here, but it's so easy for us to lose sight of that. And what Jesus is reminding us all of is that as a student or as somebody who's on a lot of Zoom calls right now or as somebody who is going in and working a clock-in, clock-out job, or as a stay-at-home mom, or as somebody who all of a sudden became a homeschool mom, that in the ordinary things of life, the kingdom of God is present. And he's inviting us to dig a little bit below the surface and to see that the treasure is where Jesus is at work. And Jesus is at work in the hearts and the souls of people. Jesus is changing people's lives by his word. 
And what he's inviting us to do is to get in tune enough with his word and be filled enough with his spirit that we are simultaneously living as citizens of this earth and citizens of his kingdom and that we're operating not just on this plane of making money and engaging in business and getting good grades, but we're beginning to engage in the business of dealing with people's souls. And he's asking us to look under the surface of things and to see that in the time of COVID, it's like God has taken a plow onto the soil of people's hearts. And that heart that used to be a path is now being churned up and the soil of people's hearts around us is becoming more receptive to the word of God because of the trials. And the rocks are being tossed out of people's lives. And there are opportunities for us everywhere to ask a question or to speak a timely word into people's lives. And for that word or that listening ear or that action if we have eyes to see, we'll have an eternal impact in people's lives. It will change their eternity forever. And Jesus is saying, when you begin to experience this reality, when you begin to live on this plane, when you begin to believe and to see that Jesus is at work in this world, What you'll do when you find that treasure, you'll sell everything you have. You'll give up your old reputation. You might even give up your job. You'll give up what people think about you. You'll give up what your family thinks about you. You'll even be flexible with the way that you see COVID because you care more about the soul's of people than you do about your own physical health. So you're not in self-protection mode. You're in kingdom of Jesus mode. I want to tell as many people as I can about this as possible. Because if somebody gets COVID and they died, they might go to hell. They need this word from me. And so we're not stopping the mission Because of the circumstances that we're in, we more clearly see the mission because of the circumstances that we're in. And here's why this is really hard for us right now, is because we're not seeing a lot of evidence in our church family that we normally would see that God is at work in the mundane things of life. I just saw in like a Google Photos story like three years ago, I got this photo of the first time that we did BWP, Baptism Worship Potluck. And it was like this first group of people who got baptized in the life of our church. And it made me just walk down this road of nostalgia as I thought about all those different BWPs. And I remember getting up on stage just being so excited that at one point, one-fourth of our church were new Christians, and had been baptized. And every year, what I would do at the end of the semester 
It's like you're grinding it out, having conversations with people, getting up on, on the stage, preaching the Bible. And often, as a pastor, what you feel like is, is God doing anything in my church? Because the kingdom of God is hidden below the surface, and so it's not visible to anybody. It's not like I've got some superpower where I can just tap into the kingdom in a way that no one else can. No, I get discouraged too. And so you go to BWP, and you see all these people getting baptized, and it's this reminder that God is at work in the mess of life. That he's using just these ordinary connection group things that we're doing. And even as the leader, if you're honest, sometimes you don't even want to go to your own group. And he's using these ordinary conversations and he's using handshakes in the lobby of church. And he's using like podcasts and and online services. He's using all of these things, but we're not able to celebrate that right now. We're not able to see that right now. And I think what God is calling us as a church to do is he's calling us to dig a little bit, to believe it by faith. And so I want to paint a picture of the future for you right now. If we would believe this text, we would believe that the the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, and we would be able to operate off of that principle instead of this idea that we're just sort of hitting pause on our kingdom lives because of the circumstances that are going on in our world. If we began to take opportunity to share the hope that is in us that the world doesn't have. Everyone else is just devastated right now. If we began to share that, what will happen is at some point, we are going to have the most epic BWP of all time because we're just getting like a longer runway to that event. And I'm not saying we're just all about the events, but what I'm saying is we're all about people's lives being changed by King Jesus. And so what if we would be faithful to Jesus in a time where it's very hard in the course of our ordinary lives where it only feels like we're digging. We're just digging. We're just going to our field day after day after day after day, and we're digging, and we're not hitting anything with our shovel. But we believe that the kingdom of God is below the surface. And so we're taking time just to be open and receptive to the Spirit of God, and we're saying, give me the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with somebody, to give them hope. We're living on this plane of reality that says his kingdom is real, he's at work, I can't see it, but this life of living for Jesus is worth it. At some point, we'll get to have the aha moment. In this life, We'll get to see people changed forever from the inside out and become genuine followers of Jesus. And we'll get to see them have the same hope that we have. People that are now just co-workers and classmates and neighbors will become brothers and sisters in Christ. And we'll get to experience 
the kingdom of God on this earth as it is in heaven. We'll get more of a taste of it. So let's be faithful. Let's hold on. Let's follow King Jesus into his kingdom. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for pointing us to the kingdom. Thanks for bringing us below the surface of our circumstances and giving us hope to live a life on mission, to love the people around us, to point them to you, to talk about the hope that we have in you, to not live lives of just self-protection, only concerned about our own health, only concerned about our own safety. But God, give us concern for the things of you, to really care about those around us. Because we who are true believers, we've struck gold. We're rich. We found the kingdom. We found you, Jesus. You're our treasure. Thank you that you're here with us. Would you continue to meet us here this morning? In Jesus' name, amen.